Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Janelli, and the greatest thief in the multiverse has returned. I'm Lorelai Weissel, and I'm Urza's Toyota Scion. <laughs> I'm Brian Dawes, and Soren Markov is still deservedly stuck in a rock. I'm Ashley Barrow, and we gotta talk about my three favorite guilds today, so I'm a little bit overwhelmed. We'd like to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon, who keeps this show running every week. You can visit patreon.com slash cast if you are interested in joining that fun little community. We've got a Discord server for everyone who joins that we are gathering all the Vorthoses of the world and putting them in a little digital space where we can all be friends and have fun. But we also have some fancy new Patreon announcements that are going to be changing a little bit of the kind of rewards that we offer. So currently, we have the $1 tier where you get access to the Discord, and then a $5 tier where you get access to a short monthly episode we call Pull from the Deep that covers a topic that we wouldn't cover in a normal episode. That's been our plan for the past couple months, but we're shaking things up a little bit. So starting today, Monday, we're going to have three tiers on Patreon. So the $1 tier where you get access to the Discord is staying. If you're at that tier, you can stay at that tier if you'd like. And if you're going to be a new patron for our show, that can be a tier you join. The Pull from the Deep tier that's currently $5, we are going to move down to a $3 tier. So if that's the tier you are currently at and that's the content level you want to stay at, feel free to move your monthly patronage down to $3 to stay in that tier. If you are in the $1 tier now or you're a new patron, that tier gets you some fun exclusive content. We've talked about all kinds of things so far, like actually talking about Merit Lage. If you want that kind of exclusive content, that's the tier for you. And we are going to have a new $5 tier and keep that price point the same, but at a new reward. So what we're going to do starting this Thursday, we record uh, Thursday nights, Eastern Time for America. We are going to start having live listens, where if you donate at the $5 tier on Thursdays when we record, usually around 7 p.m. Eastern Time, you will be able to log into Discord and listen to us record an episode. This gets you both early access to whatever the content of that week is, and it's going to get you some exclusive behind-the-scenes stuff, like, I don't know, the parts where Arjun maybe comes over and shouts and derails a episode for 10 minutes. Or maybe Annie will bark. Or maybe we'll just laugh. Or maybe we'll forget something. It'll be fun. Sometimes there's jokes that don't make it into final episodes because they're not that funny. You get to hear all <laughs> those. So that's going to be something we're going to be rolling out this week. So you can head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast to check all that new information out. We'll make a whole post about it. If you're already in the Discord, we'll put something up in there to get you some information. We're going to shout about it on Twitter and our Tumblr. So that's a cool thing for all you folks who would like to help support the show so we can keep making it. Let's move on to news for the week. There's one big piece of news that we wanted to talk about here very briefly in that the third set for this Ravnica quote-unquote block 
It's not really related to Guilds of Ravnica or Ravnica Allegiance, but it's what they're building up to, the finale of the Bolas arc, and that is War of the Spark. What does that mean? I literally can't tell you. Me either. It's great. NDAs are fun. <laughs> I feel so left out. Real quick, before we move on to everything, Brian, any random idea? What do you think this set's about? They're bringing back Eladomri, guys. He's going to be a planeswalker and everything. He's, like, controlling fire Okay, and no, stuff. you're done. We're moving on to Ashley. Go for it. Way back in the Purifying Fire, there was a plot point where this guy was going to try to do this ritual to steal Gideon's spark. And that was obviously bad because the plane that they were stuck on was really shitty and they didn't want to live there. And this girl wanted to marry him. Um, all of oh, these reasons name? came together and make, made this a bad situation. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the guy's name. He was like a vampire, but not a vampire. But he, like he was. It was on Diridan. Yeah, yeah. That like probably one of the worst planes. They really hated it there. Prince Velrav. I think it'll be something relating to, like, taking their sparks and doing something with them. Or, like, I don't know, maybe it'll make their sparks explode and they all die. Or maybe it's not, like, the planeswalker's spark at all. Like, maybe someone starts a fire and burns the whole city down and it really sucks. All right. Well, we will bookmark this episode and come back to it once it's revealed what it actually means. And be like, Ashley was right. Well, for, for doing that... Brian, do you want to go for a real one? I mean, my theory is that Merrill Age comes and steals everybody's spark and sinks the planeswalker down, but you know. Moving on. Today we're going to talk about the last three guilds from Ravnica Allegiance. The first thing we want to mention, though, is that the art book for Ravnica revealed a few more details on the various Ravnican guilds. I should mention that we're not going to cover the art book by itself, because most of the details inside we've talked about here already. It's a lot on the Ten Guilds and not a whole lot else about Ravnica, but the guilds are really what people want. So, like last week, we gave you an overview of the Simic and the Rakdos guilds, and on previous episodes, we covered the five other guilds, but since we didn't have the art book when we did those episodes, obviously we couldn't include the new information the book gave us. Covered a lot of known information, like Jay said, so we're like not going to go over all that, but it also gave us new details um, and sort of shifted a few of the guilds into a new kind of vibe. Uh, you might notice just like how the aesthetic shifted between original Ravnica to Return to Ravnica. It has shifted again, and now the flavor has of the guilds has slightly changed as well. It's a good thing, in my opinion, because like until now, the guilds have been kind of unbalanced with regards to morality. They're all bad in their own way, but some of the guilds, namely Rakdos, Gruul, and Demir, kind of lacked any redeeming qualities to justify them even really existing. I've already talked about my feelings on Gruul a few weeks ago, uh, and I'll go over that again today about how I feel like they're an oppressed class, and that's like coming to the front in the story. So for example, um, but we're not going to go too deeply in the art book for time reasons, so you should definitely pick it up, give it a read, all that. Some juicy bits just to get you up to speed. I already really like Rakdos, but it is one of the guilds that in the past sort of got unfair treatment with regards to having pretty much no redeeming qualities, i.e. they were mostly just killing people and doing bad things for entertainment just because they can. The art book has expanded on their role as entertainers and shifted the focus towards political commentary, targeting those in power to knock them down a peg, which makes the whole like violence for entertainment thing like a whole lot 
less evil. Ironically, a few days before I got my hand on the art book, I said to someone that it would be cool if there was some type of Rakdos Commedia dell'arte, and lo and behold, I open up the book, and performance art and public theater is totally their big thing now. They have what's called the Mock Turn, a name that I really, really, really love, a nightly ongoing performance of whatever it is that they want to perform that night, as well as political satire, which is like a big thing in the history of theater. See, I really did learn something in art school. So I see the fact that they are now doing professional theater with a focus on political commentary. And I think, okay, that's like a real legit thing. That's an actual thing someone knew and they put in here on purpose. And I think this has got Alison Lurs written all over it. If you know her, you know this is the exact type of thing she would be interested in. And I talked to her earlier today and she confirmed that, yes, this is her doing. And she mentioned 70s performance art specifically. So yeah, history is fun. Go learn stuff. The last detail I wanted to add for Rakdos is that Rakdos himself seems to be more outgoing now. I don't know if that's a new thing or if we're just kind of retroactively making it so that the guild at large actually sees Rakdos in the flesh. But whatever, he leaves his house now, so good for him. One thing I wanted to clarify from last week, because we had some vague implications that the ARC book actually cleared up, and I technically misspoke. So last week's episode, I mentioned that Vanifer's coup in the Simic Council cast Zagana out, which was not totally correct. She did bring up a vote to replace Zagana as prime speaker, but Zagana has remained as part of the Speaker Council as Speaker of Zonat 1. So she is not quite the refugee that the cards and what we knew about the story had made her out to be but is still involved in the governing of the Simic. She is just a minority party leader now, essentially. The rest of the guilds that we talked about last time for Guilds of Ravnica didn't change very much from what we discussed. The only big one is that the Boros have moved from the theaters to garrisons. So now what used to be part of the four theaters is now... All four are in every garrison of the Boros. So they've essentially decentralized how they were doing their operations. So let's move on to the Guilds of Ravnica Allegiance Part 2. The first guild we want to talk about is the Azorius Senate. The Azorius Senate was founded by Azor, the Perrin Planeswalker, who is also a Sphinx. He is the original author of the Guild Pact. And basically, we learned much later on, he's not that great a guy. He just kind of shows up on planes, imposes systems of law, and then buggers off and <laughs> claims that when those systems of law that he forced on people inevitably failed, that it was the people's fault. So he's not that great a guy. They are the legislative side of Ravnica and have moved more and more into the law and order side overall. Right now, they are led by the planeswalker Dovin Ban, but we don't know all the details on how Dovin got in charge there. His title is Grand Arbiter, which is a historic title for the Azorius. The first guild leader that we were introduced to was Augustine IV, who was the main villain of the novel Dissension and tried to sow chaos on the plane in order to justify himself declaring martial law and taking over the city. After Augustine was deposed through the explosion of the original Parhelion on the original Prav, 
the former guild champion Esperia was convinced to take over leadership of the guild and was the leader until she was killed by Vraska in Guilds of Ravnica last set. Their current guild hall is Nuprov, which is a rebuilt version of the original Prov. It's essentially three buildings with a courtyard in between. Since the original Prov was blown up, it looks prettier, a little more high-tech. Because of Dovin's influence, we see in some of the artwork of it that there's thopters flying around. The Azorius are divided up into three columns, the Sova, which are the judiciary, the Jelen, which are the legislature, and the Laev, who are the law enforcement. Just so that everyone knows who is who, for instance, Lavinia is a member of the Laev column, and Dovin rose up to take over, was it the judiciary? The le- No, no, no. He takes over the Laev column. Oh, he takes over the Laev. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So there are a bunch of roles within the guild. There are uh, hussars and infantry who are basically the ground troops of the guild. But a lot more of the guild is made up of the law mages and hieromancers, which are the people who can manipulate the law itself or use the power of white mana and order to fuel their spells. There are constructors with a K who are kind of their engineers, architects. There are the elocutor, elocutors? How the heck are you supposed to say that word? Elocutors. There are the elocutors. That was a guess. I don't actually know. I, yeah, I thought, <laughs> I think the other one sounds better. Elocutors? Something like, I don't know, whatever you, whatever you said. We have no idea how to pronounce that word. Oh, this will be good stuff to hear when you listen to us live. Yeah. <laughs> so... They are the essentially the senators of Ravnica. And then you've got the arresters who are the people who are actually the who are now kind of the beat cops of Ravnica going out serving warrants, things like that. Some of the important locations of the guild are the Forum of Azor. We see more recently that there's the Chamber of the Guild Pact, which is staffed by Lavinia. At least it was staffed by Lavinia until she went on the run, as far as we know. The form of Azor is, of course, where the, you might recognize it by the card Maze's End. It's where the maze from the titular Dragon's Maze concluded, and it's where the Guild Pact was reborn. They have some affluent neighborhoods like Whitestone, where a lot of the Azorius functionaries live, Griffin Heights, which is named for the Griffins in the area. It's pretty self-explanatory. They're also known for Udzek Maximum Security Prison. The Azorius have what are called Vez outposts, which are sort of like smaller Azorius guild halls that you might find all over the plain. More recently, Dovin has resurrected this precog mage program, where before they were kind of in a dark, dusty basement, he uh, increased their funding, brought them up, and has been using the precognitive mages much, much, much more. And he also introduced spy thopters from his time in the consulate to the guild. And so the Azorius in this time period are becoming much more Orwellian, much more dystopian, minority report style. Okay, creature types in the Azorius. Lots of humans. Like most guilds, but like lots of humans, because humans suck. Oh, sorry, that was editorializing. I don't like the Law and Order guild. They also have a lot of Vidalcan. 
their proclivity for solving problems and being very intricate makes them good law mages and good at circumventing laws and finding loopholes to fix things and make them better. There are also lots of sphinxes in the guild. They are a creature type that is all about laws, which can sometimes become complicated enough to sound like riddles. The Azorius also employ a number of spirits in their guild. They have more menial jobs throughout the government and the courts. There are lots of flying creatures associated with the guild also, obviously being blue-white, so birds and drakes and archons, which are the white embodiment of strict law and adherence to rules that can sometimes become oppressive. Perfect for the guild that is all about governing as hard as humanly and vidalcanly and sphinxingly possible. And then they have griffins that some of their sky patrols ride, and some elementals made of, and, and walls made of energy and law magic and sky stuff and clouds and wind. And... <laughs> That's really scientific. So the legends of the Azorius, I already mentioned Azor, who we met on Ixalan. Grand Arbiter Augustin IV was the dictator from the original Dissension block who wanted to take over all of Ravnica under his law. He is probably not unusual for leaders of the Azorius who believe that their law is better than the chaos of other guilds, but it is what it is. Esperia took a long time to convince to become their guild leader. She has been around long enough to have known Azor personally. And it, I think a, a lot of people are sad that, that Frasca killed her off, and hopefully we'll, we'll see that moment outside of the card itself eventually. Lavinia is Me. definitely the most popular member. Yeah. <laughs> Lavinia looks exactly like Ashley, or Ashley looks exactly like Lavinia. I don't know. Might be an Inception kind of thing. I definitely came first. <laughs> <laughs> Lavinia is the most popular member of the Azorius Guild. She's the one who's probably had close to the most screen time in the stories itself because she's a point of view character in Doug Byers' The Secretist novellas. She's also just really funny and endearing. And she's appeared a lot in the more recent stories. And like Ashley said, she's very funny. She's very popular. She's a cool character. And then finally, you've got Dovin Bun, who came from Kaladesh. He is here at the behest of Nicobolus, but we don't know the full details of what he is plotting for the plane. All we know is that when Vraska bumped off Asperia, it allowed him to ascend to the leader leadership position in the guild. And that brings us to our next guild, the Orzhov. The Orzhov Syndicate, the bankers slash church slash Mafia of Ravnica, which, by the way, thanks for making one of the cast of Italian-Americans talk about this. One of the cast. Half of us, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about it. But for real, like, all the stereotypes are, 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 are real. So, the Orshav are ruled by this council of super-rich, super-old ghosts called the Obzadot, whose members fluctuate throughout time. And we don't know who 
was part of the Obzadat when the guild was founded, but we know that the council did exist as the Paran. Currently, the most prominent member is Karlov, who is the patriarch of the Karlov family that, if you remember, Tesa belongs to. So the Obzadat have ruled for over 10,000 years now, and that just stopped because they have all been ghost murdered by a ghost assassin, Kaya, <gasps> the planeswalker we met oh my goodness. for Conspiracy 2. Hashtag shock and awe. <laughs> Kaya leads the guild from Orzhova, which is a church slash really fancy apartments. There's lots of living quarters in there for the high-ranking members of the guild. There's also a mausoleum underneath, so it's creepy and ghosty and opulent all at the same time. The guild's original role was the banking clan, essentially. They minted a lot of the coins and ran a lot of the plane's finances and helped fund all kinds of projects for the city. They have also taken on the role of a religion. They're not the only religion on Ravnica, nor the oldest, which is a fun flavor text that we will get to next week when we do our Flavor Gems article. But they are church and money lenders. The church part doesn't really have much religious stuff beyond sin is bad, and the only way to get rid of your sin is to tithe and give us money. And if you don't, we're going to own your ghost. And they're probably going to own your ghost anyway. So it's almost a mockery of religion at its core, but the Orjhav Evangels are really good at making it look stable and secure and enticing to the people of Ravnica. Some people know that it is kind of a sham. A lot of people don't. So they continue to tithe and... The Urshav do have protective services. So, like, the implication there is that the only way to get rid of your sin is to, like, pay tithe. The implication there is that rich people who can pay can just do whatever they want. Pretty much. They can, they can sin. It's like, it's like pay to sin. It's great. Gosh, I, I wonder how they came up with that amazing fantasy concept that rich people can just pay away their sins. As a Catholic, I just don't, I don't know. So much of the church's family members are broken up in two families, which function a lot like cartels in organized crime. They each have their little rackets going on, and the main goal of all of them is to extract money to enrich the oligarchs, who don't necessarily commute directly with the Obsidot. There is a position called Grand Envoy. That Tesa used to be, she was stripped of that title when she tried to overthrow the Obzadot. That was in a story a couple years ago. Has it been a couple years? It has been a couple years. Dag. Man, I thought that was like two months ago. So the main guild locations, I mentioned Orchova, the cathedral, slash bank, slash mausoleum, slash apartments. That's their main location in the 10th district. They also have the Vizcopa Bank, which is right down the street. That's where they do most of the minting for their guild, as well as be a bank and, and do regular banking things for anybody on the plane. It's guarded by a bunch of spirits and gargoyles, so it's impossible pretty much to break into because 
the Guardians never sleep. They don't get tired. They will chase you till they catch you. Don't rob the mob. Some of the minor locations are Coiner's Row, which is a location of an old coin mint that is now rich people apartments because what's classier and more on the nose than building your house on top of a mint where they literally pump out money into your pocket. And the gentrification is just so Orzhov. Like, it's it's per- a perfect thing for them. They also have Irbatov, the mausoleum district, which is essentially a gated community slash graveyard where oligarchs get buried so their bodies don't get tampered with. Oligarchs hoping to join the Ghost Council, the Obzadot, one day, need to preserve their bodies, and bodies of the members of the Obzadot get stowed away in a guild-packed-free mausoleum beneath Orzhova, which is where Tessa got caught because she didn't know about that, because they didn't tell her because they're a bunch of jerks. There are a lot of different roles within the guilds. Advocists are essentially lawyers. They are talented law mages that work with both financial and religious contracts and also deal a lot with getting the Azorius off their backs and getting criminals out of jail. They have clerics and knights and syndics that do a lot of the work for the church. Clerics function a lot like evangels. Syndics do some collection work, work with alms, and the knights tend to be the heavies that will lay into the populace to make sure they are paying their requisite taxes appropriately and tithing the proper amounts. There are also some angels in the guild, most of which are kind of disillusioned Boros angels, or angels who have greater ambitions than just serving the greater good. The angels kind of carve out their own roles in the guild. They're not a specific tier, really. They kind of do what they want, as long as it doesn't mess up the rest of the criminal activity. The people who are indebted to the Obzadot, who then die, their bodies and spirits get separated so that the spirits can continue to serve as menial labor until their debt is paid off. And then their physical bodies basically donate their flesh to be reshaped into thralls, which are a servant class sculpted literally from dead flesh that do all kinds of things from holding prayer books to beasts of burden that transport Orzhov money. And that actually covers most of the creature types in the guild. It's almost entirely humans and spirits. Like I said, there's some angels and then thralls function as a servant class. There are some beasts of burden as well and some kind of mechanized transportation systems to keep their money safe. The other main creature type that shows up are vampires. Unlike the Demir vampires, who are tend to be more mind mages, the vampires in the Orzhov are definitely the blood-drinking kind. And when they collect tithes and taxes and whatnot, instead of collecting gold, they will often take blood tithes from their patrons or servants. So it's quite literally a church that takes your blood as payment for sin which is literally feeding the church members themselves. So, pretty on the nose there. 
like I said earlier, also, I already mentioned most of the legends. The Obzadot is the ghost council that founded the guild, and they're all dead now, and their members have varied throughout the years. There's a handful of named members, but we don't know them all. Karlov is the most prominent one. He is related to Tesa, who used to be the envoy who communicated with them. She's a very talented advocate as well, wrote some laws, tried to keep Ravnica from falling apart during the Interregnum, and then tried to overthrow the guild and got thrown in jail, and then helped Kaya, ghost assassin, kill all the Obsidot. And Kaya's a planeswalker from an unknown plane. We saw her kill... King Brago on Fiora, that was in Conspiracy 2, and now she is apparently in some kind of debt to Nicol Bolas, who promised to help her family out with something that we don't know yet. So she is taking over the guild and setting ghosts free and disrupting their criminal order. And the last member of the Orshav that doesn't have a card yet is Pivlik, who was a character who featured pretty prominently in the original Ravnica books from the original Ravnica block. He owned, imagine a, a fight club dinner theater where you could win free dinners by literally killing people in a pit, or you could get killed in a pit <laughs> and become a undead pit fighter in the future. That, or you could become dinner for the monstrous creatures that you were fighting against. Yeah. It was such a brilliant setup because it was like, either side gets their, their dinner free. <laughs> You know, it's not like he had captured the undead. They came to him to get some food. As long as you're willing to risk something, you can eat for free. And you also net him profit. So he was a brilliant character. And he always seemed to have a backup plan for whatever was going on when he was interacting with Agris during the whole Decamillennial. He's one of my favorite characters from the original Ravnica books. Gavin Verhey, if you're listening, on your list of creatures to put in future commander sets... Pivlik. There you go. And Feather. Yep. Well, Feather's already on that list. Yeah, but reinforcing, just to make sure. Believe me, Feather is on Marrow's top eight list from Tell Me What You Want. And they've already hit like two or three of those, so she's like top five at this point. The Gruel clans is tied for Rakdos with my favorite guild, as I've kind of made clear. And it's got a really, really, really cool culture which up until now, we really didn't know all that much about. They are outsiders on Ravnica as they live in the wild places of the city, which is kind of a hard life as it is a city and it doesn't really have any natural places left. So the wild places of the city are like rundown buildings and the rubble belt, which I will explain in a minute. To the rest of the city, they are barbarians, not just because they are outsiders, but because they are prone to fighting and warfare. Even within the guild, they fight the rest of the city as they believe that civilization is bad and it should be destroyed, basically, which sounds radical. But honestly, y'all know what Ravnica's like, and it's not hard to see why one would think that the whole thing should just go. They also fight amongst themselves because although they are considered one guild, it's actually a group of separate autonomous clans, each one with its own leader. There's tons of different clans, but the main ones are... The Burning Tree Clan, the largest and strongest, and it's led by Borborygmos. The Gore Clan, which leads the most raids on the city, and it is led by uh, Rurikthar. And the Scab Clan, which is known for its scars and body modifications, hence the name. 
the Borat clan, which is made up of large individuals, mostly Cyclopes, Ogres, and Giants. The Slist clan, which is mostly Vyashino. The Zerta clan, which is my personal favorite one because I think it's the coolest. They are the clan that most strongly believes in the old ways, which I will explain in a minute. They also stack skulls and perform rituals for the boar god. They are also known for their shamans, and they are led by Nakia of the Old Ways, who is a centaur shaman. The Gravelhide clan, who gets their name from the fact that they have, like, physical resistance. And that's it. There's also the Trogs, who are the loners. They live on their own, not part of a clan, but they can join the clans in raids. They don't really have a guild hall. But they live in an area of the city called the Rubble Belt, which is sort of like somewhere between like the absolutely destroyed places of the city. I mean, it's really old. A lot of it's come down. That's the closest that you get to like wild places. And it's also sort of like Ravnica's ghetto. The other guilds sometimes encroach on this. And, you know, they try to develop it. Earlier, we mentioned gentrification. This is where that would be. Um, you know, they're like, we don't want all this crap and trash. So let's develop it. But I mean, someone lives there. What we would call the Guild Hall is Skarg, which is not really a hall. It's this place where they get together and they feast and party and they sometimes fight each other, but you know, it's all in good fun. The Oakchar, which is a large tree, and this is sort of a burial ground for Gruul chiefs. And the Karn of the Year's March, which is the ruins of a Colosseum. A ragged druid named Malaka sits in the center of this Goliath timepiece awaiting some event that he will not reveal. That's very mysterious. Their religion is called the Old Ways. They worship these old gods that they call the Utmunger, the gods of the deep earth. Ilarg is the boar god that I talked about plenty before that will one day rise and destroy the city and bring it back to its true natural state. One thing I want to say about the Utmunger, or the Old Gods, is that it's not clear whether or not these are the Nephilim. In the novel Guild Pact, the Gruul of Udvara refer to Nephilim that appear as their gods. So it's not clear if, like, the Cult of Yor, who also worship the Nephilim, if this pantheon that the Gruul have is based on the Nephilim or is actually the Nephilim. We'll have to see. I don't know if that's going to be something that's revealed, but the fact that they're called the gods of the deep earth and the Nephilim all came out of the deep rubble belt in Udvara kind of seems to indicate that a lot of these older gods are based on Nephilim. Like, we're not saying that that's what it is, but it's a pretty important connection to draw. Rakshav is, if you've been paying attention to the Broken Pact, it's something that was used there. Rakshav is just kind of this random holiday. It's not on a specific day. They just declare it whenever something important's going to happen, and they just party and go go crazy, attack people, conduct raids, that kind of thing. Basically, it's a time when good things are happening for the gruel and bad things are happening for everyone else. Now, the creature types of the guild are pretty much the ones that you would expect. They've got humans, Goblins, ogres, giants, and centaurs. These are generally warriors. They've also got some druids, um, the Viashino um, of the Slitz clan. 
they're sort of like more roguey, but they're like still warriors. They've also got their big giant monsters like hydras, worms, elementals, and just like beasts. They've got boars, obviously, insects, phoenixes, snakes, stuff that you would expect to find like out in the wild. One thing I did want to add also, because I love little details, we now know with the cool like new aesthetic, they get these tattoos on them that are maps of places that the girl have destroyed. So literally, they want to destroy the city, but then they also get the city itself tattooed on them. And I think that's really cool and awesome. I already mentioned Borborygmos, who they don't have like one leader because they're all different clans, but they'll like pretty much follow whoever's the biggest guy. And he's kind of the biggest guy. There's Rickthar, who is a legend from Return to Ravnica. And then Domri, who is our little boy, our beautiful little son, who <laughs> may be the next the biggest guy. I mean, maybe he hit a growth spurt. Oh, and then there's also um, Nakia, who I mentioned already. One final legend who has no lore, but has a card, is Ulasht the Hateseed, who is a Hydra Hellion that lives somewhere out in the rubble belt. And that's just terrifying. Alright, let's move on to final thoughts. So for my final thoughts, I just want to say I love that Dak Faden got a Masterpiece card for Ravnica Allegiance, and I'm very happy that my three favorite Planeswalkers, which are Sahili, Duretti, and Dak, have all gotten very nice foil cards within the last six months. So thank you, Wizards of the Coast, for thinking of me. Norlai. My final thought is I cannot wait for this gosh darn Flavor Gems episode next week because the Simic Combine in this set is just blowing my mind with how awesome it is. Spoiler alert, Shark to Crab. <laughs> Brian. It's cool as the uh, hero of Precinct 1 is making its human tokens and stuff. You know what would have been even cooler? If it made citizen tokens. That way I would feel a lot better about the fact that Amara didn't make elf tokens and it still fits the flavor of Ravnica because it's making citizen tokens. Yes, I know all you spiky modern players who have humans built probably wouldn't like that as much, but I would feel a lot better about it. My final thought is today, the day that we are posting this on Monday, if everything's going as planned, we're starting our Ravnica D&D adventure tonight. So um, that's going to be really fun. That is for our Patreon subscribers who are in the Discord server. We are all full now, but if you want to get in and like observe and see what we're doing and be totally jealous of how much fun we're having, feel free to get in on that. We'll try to do you know more stuff in the future. So I will hopefully see y'all tonight. Right. So like Ashley said, the D&D thing is starting soon, and that's going to be through our Discord server. If you want to get involved with that, you can head to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. Everyone who supports us there gets an invite to that Discord server to join our Vorthos community. We're going to be doing some cool stuff with D&D starting soon that you can see. And I'm sure if it goes well, we'll do a lot more in the future. So if you're missing out on this run, don't feel bad. We'll probably expand some stuff if it goes well and do some more in the future. And like we announced at the beginning of the episode, just a reminder that we are changing up our 
Patreon structure a little bit. So you can stay at the $1 tier and get access to the Discord. Then at the $3 tier, you get access to Pool from the Deep, a short monthly episode exclusive to you that covers a topic that we wouldn't normally cover in an episode. And then at the $5 tier, you get access to everything below, as well as the opportunity to live listen as we record new episodes on Thursday nights Eastern Time in America, which lets you hear all the wonderful things that get cut out from every episode. Things like Arjun interrupting and jokes that don't quite land as well as we thought, and us forgetting stuff and having to scramble and remember it on the fly. All of which got cut out of this episode, which you would get to hear otherwise. And lots of just fun opportunities. Recording the show is honestly half the fun for us. So if that's something you're interested in, head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast and support the show today. Hey Lorelai, you remember when Arjun busted in and did the thing? Which thing? I love that when that happened. I know, right? And if you're a live listener, you'll get to hear it too. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.